Today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast from Scoop News Group, it's not just CISOs who are trying to go from no to K-N-O-W. And I, I do, I try and say, you know, I'm not the privacy officer of no, I'm the privacy officer to help uh, business and tech accomplish what they need to. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world and learn about the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. New Mexico has a new chief information officer. Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham says Peter Santos will take up the job. Santos is coming from the private sector data management company Respect, though he's worked in state government in the past. Santos replaces Roger Sambandam, who's been acting in the role since last year. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul is naming the state's first chief cyber officer. Colin Ahern, a former deputy CISO for New York City, will take on the role. It's not immediately clear what the difference will be between the chief cyber officer and the state's chief information security officer. Chicago has a new CIO to lead a new digital strategy for the city. Mayor Lori Lightfoot is naming Kurt Peterson as the city's new IT lead. Peterson has been with the city in a variety of roles over the years. Nick Lucius, the city's current chief data officer, will become city CTO. You can read these stories and more at statescoop.com. You'll also find links in today's show notes. 21 states have chief privacy officers. New research from the National Association of State CIOs says the role is on the rise in government, with nine more in the job than just a few years ago. Katie Ruckel is one of those chief privacy officers. She works in the state of Washington and has been in the role since early 2020. Ruckel tells State Scoop's Benjamin Freed about how her role plays into major state IT initiatives. So uh, the statute that creates my office, the Office of Privacy and Data Protection, and then my role, the chief privacy officer, uh, actually states that uh, it's my office to review major IT initiatives. I think that process personally identifiable information. And so I usually become engaged on uh, pretty significant projects in the state, uh, which includes um, our ERP uh system that we're getting ready to launch. Uh, that's been a pretty major project called Washington or One Washington. Uh, we, I also have uh, been engaged, my office has been engaged in other uh, significant initiatives that are just getting off the ground now in Washington, the Identity Access Management uh, Initiative, and then also our cloud program. Mm. So th- those are just a couple examples of where uh, privacy has been involved in major IT initiatives in the state. And and how are those relationships go when, when you get, say, you're getting underway on an ERP project or, uh, you know, the or cloud initiatives? Uh, what's what's the what's the interaction between your office and the agency that's that's leading that work? Uh, typically very collaborative. Uh, we're usually involved in a lot of meetings that may not necessarily touch on some issues directly impacting privacy, but uh, the important part for privacy to be engaged is to help identify uh, blind spots where somebody else without that perspective may not realize there's privacy impacts for a particular um, role or impact. And then, when we're really getting into uh, more of the actual work that may be processing data elements, then we do some of the more technical assessments like privacy impact assessments. Uh, That was one uh, tool that we're using right now in the very early stages for a master person index 
uh, in Washington. You know, some, sometimes agencies can be pretty territorial, pretty protective of, of what they're working on. And I wonder if it ever kind of takes a, a certain level of, uh, of, uh, of diplomacy on, on your part to, to uh, let people know what your role in, in all of it is. Yes. And so that's where I really uh, lean into the privacy by design principles, which is to think about privacy. It's not a zero sum game, you know, and I, I do I try and say, you know, I'm not the privacy officer of no, I'm a privacy officer to help uh, business and tech accomplish what they need to. Uh, while also being mindful of uh, incorporating privacy principles into the product. Uh, and we have found too, even um, just collaborating too with security because security always needs to be there. Um, we uh, are overlapping and aligning those, those two disciplines because that's always gonna make the initiative better. So I would say generally speaking, we have very collaborative relationships with the agencies. And uh, I guess I've been lucky to not encounter a lot of resistance. It's, um, I've, I've had more um, interest in being open to what uh, perspectives we can offer. Yeah. Is that because among the public now that these days, there's just a greater, greater expectation that uh, services, whether they're coming from coming from the private sector or coming from government will have, you know, should and will have, uh, you know, better protections on, on what information people are giving them? I think so, and there's just been more general awareness through a lot of data incidents that there's just much more sensitivity to the collection and use and protection of personal data. So, I, it, you know, it's, it's, all, it's an expectation of the public, but I think uh, those of us that work at the agencies and handle uh, resident information, there's just an awareness that that's something that needs to be taken into consideration, especially with new systems. Yeah. Um, was what happened last year? I know that happened. At, you know, the the, the audit, the, the state auditor's office, uh, uh, and that was part of a larger string related to um, uh, uh, a specific vendor. Uh, but was what happened last year? Did was that did that uh, change the conversation at all? Well, it impacted uh, our office and some of my work through the fact that there was a specific legislation. Uh, creating in statute the Office of Cybersecurity. And so a lot of the initiatives that needed to be put in place for the Office of Cybersecurity also incorporated some uh, collaboration with the Office of Privacy and Data Protection, which is my office. And so the sort of the result of that incident was a stronger cybersecurity uh, centralization in the state of Washington. Yeah. So you mentioned you, you've been pretty fortunate in your relationships, not only with other agencies, but also within Washington Technology Solutions. You've had good relationships with, with CIOs. I know you had uh, a strong relationship uh, with the CISO office. Uh, how has how is your role grown and changed over the years you've, you've been in there? So I think it's, it's grown in, in that I'm trying to mature the privacy programs within the state agencies. So when I came on board, I was, it was just me. <laughs> I was, you know, the mighty army of one and I've been able to 
through a decision package I put forward in a strategic plan with the legislature, put together uh, an ask to help staff my office. So now I'm going to be, soon I'll be fully staffed with three people to help accomplish the initiatives that we're uh, tackling in our office. So the office has grown and uh, with that, we've been able to be um, more external facing and uh, more value, add more value to the state agencies and to the public. Yeah. So one, one thing that Washington really stands out for is that, uh, and this was in the, the NASIA report, uh, that, that you're the only privacy, you're the only state private privacy officer in the country with a real dedicated uh, budget. Uh, or line item in line item in the budget and kind of you know this this funding guarantee does that enable you to you know take up certain initiatives uh, you know, do things a certain way that that you otherwise might not be able to? Yes, I think having dedicated funding that's you know earmarked for privacy and for the privacy office initiatives helps to create consistency and stability in the program. Uh, that way, we don't have to worry about year to year whether or not uh, you know certain things are going to be funded or positions are going to be funded, depending on you know what the priorities are for certain leadership. So this way, we have uh, we know we have the support of our lawmakers and our governor uh, who signed the budget that created a, uh, you know the proviso that uh, funds our office and our staff and our initiatives. Yeah, and and I mean. When you talk to your counterparts in other states, uh, you know, do you, you know, what, what do they, what do they tell you? What do you tell them uh, in terms of growing their own, growing their own programs? Well, they tell me I'm lucky, which I agree. <laughs> but um, yeah, I really encourage them to, you know, decide what their plan is in terms of what their initiatives are. Uh, what do they want to accomplish? You know, we've started with. Uh, trying to be more external facing. We do monthly webinars on privacy topics. Uh, we work with other leaders in this area from all different sides, including you know, the advocacy community and the tech community. And so I um, just try and encourage uh, my counterparts and they are all um, busy in, in their own states, you know, trying to get a lot of these initiatives and they have other initiatives that I'm envious of as well, uh, which uh, includes um, some of the work that's happening in Indiana, you know, with Ted Cotterall and, uh, and also uh, in Utah with a lot of their training initiatives for their employees. So I'm trying to model some of their ideas uh, here in Washington as well. Yeah. Um, but um, you mentioned that you also have ongoing relationships uh, with the tech community, with the advocacy community. The advocacy community is obviously very focused on, on consumer privacy. And I, I am sure they, they uh, talk to you about uh, go, you know, government privacy as well. But what, what are your conversations with them, with, with that group like? Uh, so most recently, the conversations we've been having are around initiatives with uh, automated decision-making technology and artificial intelligence. So I'm not sure if you're aware, we had a work group that grew out of some legislation uh, a couple years ago, which resulted in a report. And that was a, we were, it, the, it, it was required membership to have the advocacy community and then state agencies, as well as other uh, research experts to come together and sort of tackle some 
of those tough questions and come up with recommendations for our legislature uh, in terms of how to address uh, some of the concerns around algorithms. Right, and that 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 report was just delivered uh, last December, right? Yes, yes. And have has the legislature acted on acted on that? Uh, so yes, there was some draft legislation uh, which incorporated those recommendations. Uh, it didn't move this legislative session, but out of that came a direction from our governor to do an inventory of the ADS systems in Washington you know, the automated decision-making systems in Washington, and then also uh, create more guidance for procurement and use of ADS systems. So that work is forthcoming with a deadline of 2023. But getting back to the the, the bigger picture of privacy officers, mm-hmm. your ranks have grown. I think um, last, last year, so the last time they, they studied the role, there were 12 chief privacy officers. Now there are 21, I we've heard. A few more are maybe on the way this year. Um, what does that say to you about the role, the importance of the work that you do, and what what the future might hold? Well, I think it just demonstrates that there's recognition that privacy is its own discipline. Uh, it seems like privacy is sort of the up and coming uh, new topic or area of focus for states in a way that security was maybe about 10 or 15 years ago. There weren't uh, CISOs or chief information security officers in every state for a while, and now it's a given. So um, I think privacy is just sort of following that same pattern where there's a recognition that privacy is its own, has its own unique uh, areas of focus Uh, that are distinct from security. And as more, um, especially in terms of the trends for, uh, you know, the digital transformation and all of those impacts, plus the conversations that are happening uh, nationally and at other states, including for privacy legislation, it just is showing that there needs to be more, it's helpful to have a leader in this area in each state, and then also just grow the ranks and the knowledge of uh, the workforce that is helping to tackle some of these privacy issues. So do you think you'll, uh, we'll get to a point where we have, you know, like we have 50 CIOs and 50 CISOs, we'll have uh, 50, privacy of- 50 privacy officers? Yes, I hope so. I hope that's the trend. That seems to be the trend line we're on right now. <laughs> Katie Ruckel, the Chief Privacy Officer for the state of Washington. You can read more about her and privacy on statescoop.com and in today's show notes. The Priorities Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't already, please leave a review or a rating on the podcast page. They make it more likely that more people will find the show. This podcast is a product of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm your host, Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.